The CFB Winning Edge podcast is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. All of the projections we reference during the show are available to our patrons before we record each week. Tier 2 and Tier 3 supporters also receive exclusive access to our 2020 FBS team profiles, which include daily updated player ratings, depth charts, and point spread projections, plus our team and player stat projections database. Visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge to learn more. Everybody, welcome in. It's the College Football Winning Edge Podcast Edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge, Nicholas Ian Allen. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge and Xavier Trish. Follow him on the Twitter at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. Uh, it's uh, Thanksgiving week here. We got no Maction this week, no Tuesday and Wednesday games. A little disappointed mm-hmm. in that. But uh, we do have games on Thursday and Friday. Friday has a big slate uh, of the games that aren't canceled. And then uh, Saturday has uh, an even bigger slate of the games that aren't canceled. So uh, lots and lots going on here, Nick. Uh, It's going to be a fun Thanksgiving weekend for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, you said the you said the C word uh, a couple of times and uh, the other C word. And uh, fortunately, uh, or unfortunately, we, we actually just heard that half of our Thanksgiving night game or day games were canceled. Air Force and Colorado State was just canceled a little bit uh, earlier before we sat down to record. And then uh, if you guys haven't seen it yet, Oklahoma and West mm-hmm. Virginia as well within the, the last hour. So as we as we record around five on the East Coast, uh, it's it's. Uh, Getting getting a little slimmer out there, but you know we we will take what we can get, and everybody basically that uh, can play will play. We, we you know we're we're done with uh, the scheduled bye weeks, and this would normally be our end of the season uh, regular season. But I guess a, a small silver lining to all the cancellations we've endured this year is we actually have a couple more weeks to come. So. Uh, Pretty, pretty exciting slate for the most part. Several uh, ranked matchups, some rivalry games mixed in, and, and then more on the horizon. We just kind of have to weather the storm of, uh, you know, these these cancellations that are uh, continuing to, to be an issue. But uh, for the most part, you know, based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks, a uh, lot of really, really good games and some, you know, relatively under the radar matchups for the most part, but uh, hopefully that will continue. The games that we get will uh, be very close, come down to the wire, a lot of exciting finishes and uh, hopefully that'll continue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, uh, um, I, I was a little surprised by that Oklahoma one, mainly because you and I just wrapped up our uh, CFF pod about a couple hours ago. And we're talking about, yeah, no, you roll out Rattler and all those guys against a good West Virginia defense because they haven't played a team like Oklahoma yet, and then it gets canceled. So that's going to be rough for some people where Rattler has carried them to the championship in CFF and that he's a no-go uh, this week. But uh, Xavier, on a scale of 1 to 10, how disappointed by absolutely no 
uh, Maction this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. I was actually looking forward to it last night. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I've become a Mac fan. I'm yeah, my, yeah. I was like, is there any Maction on tonight? It was like no. I was like. <sighs> YouTube. And what do you do? I mean, I watched some Marvel <laughs> movies or something. Like, I was like, what do I do? I was like, Ricky Bobby, I don't know what to do. Ricard run good. Uh, I don't know what to do with my hands. I was watching <laughs> Jerry Rice highlights when he was 42, when That's he was still bad. in the NFL. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's not a bad consolation. You know, Jerry Rice highlights are always pretty strong. So yeah. uh, disappointing for all of the C-worded games and uh, <laughs> postponed games. And then... Uh, you know, the uh, I mean, a lot of these games are getting moved. That Oklahoma West Virginia game did just get moved to December 12th, so we will see it still. So, uh, but you know, anything in the Mac, uh, anything in uh, the you know, well, I guess the, the Pac 12 has got they've moved around. Washington and Utah decided to face off when uh, you know, no Apple Cup because Washington State had COVID issues and uh, Arizona State has had COVID issues as well. Herm Edwards himself. As that we also found out today that Nick Saban has COVID and will not be on the sideline for the Iron Bowl. So that is going to be a weird situation to see an Iron Bowl without uh, Nick Saban. And I'm assuming, since they're saying he has COVID, that they double and triple check this time. So it wasn't a false positive like it was yeah. last time. So whatever, whatever. Yeah, whatever. He does, yeah. whatever <laughs> he does have some uh, reported mild symptoms, runny nose. He said so. Right. Uh, hopefully he will get well soon. Hopefully it doesn't. Uh, you know, not a worse, uh, you know, ho hopefully that maintains and, and yeah, stays relatively mild, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, this time for real, it seems right. Exactly. You wanted to play Kirby. I get it. You wanted to kill one of your assistants again. I understand it. Whatever. Save it. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, all right. So let's check back to see what happened in week 12, as far as the ranked teams go. And the first ranked team to play was a lot of fun. This game on Thursday night, Tulsa over two lane, 30 to 24 in double overtime. Uh, Nick got the, uh, the, the two lane plus six and a half and 54 on the over. So, uh, everything hit perfectly for you on that one. You really, uh, you know, uh, threaded the needle on that one. So, Huge well, like, one there. <laughs> like I uh, mentioned in our uh, group thread, uh, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And, and then also timing really matters. Uh, when we posted, you know, those those projections, we basically we try to do it the same time each week. And sometimes on longer weeks, it, it, it ends up uh, taking a little longer. But uh, apparently that plus six and a half was kind of a rare Find most everybody it seemed was referring to five and a half. Yeah, which that's what I saw. Been, which would have been would really really rough. So it, it it of course you know timing matters and where you get it matters. We always go off the Vegas Insider uh, consensus. So kind of uh, you know looks at multiple books and, and makes the uh, determination there on on what the consensus line is. But uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was uh, joking with you guys before we hit overtime that uh, you know. Show you know reminded you where where we were sitting officially and, and thought hey this looks like a perfect opportunity for Tulsa to win twenty eight twenty one and that would have had us miss both of them so you know we we did get lucky that there was enough scoring on a game that was scoreless at halftime and uh, well under as they were getting ready to enter overtime and uh, yeah we we definitely got lucky but you know sometimes also you you create your own luck. Uh, timing can can be beneficial, and and we certainly had some things 
uh, not go our way. So it, it does tend to even out as, as well. Uh, I, every time, every time, you know, it, uh, the uh, betting universe will even you out. I mean, that, that is something you'll learn uh, when you start betting people. That's for sure. How about uh, Xavier? What are we? Did we get a name on that Tulsa hat? Uh, I mean, that was oh. really cool. Oh. I love that hat. I, I I don't know what the hat is called. Uh, I'll, I'll get it for you guys in just a second. I just like to call it the player hat. Uh, that that is smooth. Yeah, I mean, I, it looked like a pimp hat. I mean, you know, it, it. I know they can't call it a pimp hat, and they're not supposed to call it a pimp hat, but that's a pimp hat. You know, it, it just is. So that that was really cool too. A uh, more um, ranked action here. Uh, Florida beat up on Vandy, thirty-eight to seventeen. Coastal Carolina edged out App State, thirty-four twenty-three. It was much closer than the final score on that one. Uh, Indiana played a great game against Ohio State. Ohio State got up kind of big. Uh, Indiana came back, made it a game in the fourth quarter, and uh, Ohio State holds on forty-two to thirty-five in that one. BYU pounded North Alabama into the ground, 66 to 14. A beat up as far as, um, you know, COVID stuff, UCLA team made Oregon sweat, 38-35. Oregon yeah. ends up winning that game, but it was much tighter than we expected. Another game to sweat it out in Cincinnati, beating UCF, 36 to 33 on the road. That was huge. Uh, Northwestern pulls out the upset on Wisconsin, 17 to seven, five turnovers from Wisconsin. The uh, obviously the difference in that game, Alabama beat Kentucky by 60. So Xavier and I have to uh, re uh, establish our love for Kentucky. I think a little bit and um, Alabama absolutely uh, flexing their muscles on uh. Kentucky for sure. Uh, Iowa State over Kansas State, 45 zip. That was domination in that one. Uh, Auburn beat Tennessee, 30 to 17. Uh, Liberty goes down finally to an ACC opponent, 15 to 14. So just didn't get that game, Xavier. Uh, then Georgia over Mississippi State, 31 to 24. JT Daniels looked pretty good. Uh, pretty stupid comments after the game, but pretty good during the game. Uh, Oklahoma mm -hmm. 41 to 13 over Oklahoma State in Bedlam. That was uh, uh, that was not close. That that game wasn't as close as the 41 13 score. So that one was got ugly quick. USC over Utah 33 to 17 as well. So Nick, any of your thoughts from the ranked action or any other action I did not uh, mention from Week 12? Well, uh, we got a lot of really good games and and some yeah. of. You know, higher profile games ended up being uh, really enjoyable, really exciting. That Ohio State Indiana game looked like it was going to be a blowout. Ohio State up twenty eight seven at halftime, and Indiana was able to to storm back and had a lot lot of success through the air. Ohio's uh, you know got to got to get some things fixed as far as you know secondary pass rush and, and you know things like that are concerned. They certainly look far from dominant defensively especially in the second half uh we we got you know very fortunate with uh, ucf and cincinnati cincinnati could have uh put that one away there at the very end and almost uh got themselves in in some trouble and and uh put himself in a, a clock situation where they gave ucf an opportunity to win the game and, and really should have put it up you know put it away by two scores there in the final minute but uh you know the the Northwestern Wisconsin game, pretty 
you know, boring for a lot of folks, but very basically the Big Ten West title game now that Wisconsin is uh, no longer eligible after their game today or uh, this weekend with uh, Minnesota was canceled and uh, Northwestern now just has to win one more game against, they've got three opponents, all of which have losing records, I believe. So uh, that, you know, to go from division champ to 10 losses to division champ is a pretty remarkable three-year run there at Northwestern, but uh, playing great defense right now and, and, you know, made that Wisconsin offense that had been really humming along in, in the limited opportunities we've got a chance to see them, but uh, made them, made them look uh, pretty bad for, for most of that game. Uh, Alabama looked dominant. The defense is, coming around, made a lot of strides in recent weeks that had been a little bit of an issue, somewhat, I guess, like Ohio State, where they just didn't seem to be playing up to the level of the talent or, or up to the uh, level that we're used to seeing. But uh, they look great, look like the number one team in the country, and, and it seems that the uh, playoff committee thought so as well, uh, which I'm sure we might touch on a little bit. But uh, I absolutely agree. Oklahoma uh, dominated that game against Oklahoma State. Unfortunately, the one we were looking forward to pretty much all day uh, ended up being one of the, you know, one of the snoozers of, of the day, but really, yeah. really impressive performance for Oklahoma and, and a team that really is also rounding into shape. That offense uh, has just gotten better and better and better. And the, you know, they play pretty good defense as well, have in, in uh, the last few games, taking, taking steps forward defensively. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a solid week of football and, and, you know, we were treated to some good uh, late season action, a, a great, you know, weeknight game with the Tulsa comeback uh, heart attack, you know, they, they come back <laughs> every single uh, game. It seems, yeah. but uh, I think it's their know. fourth comeback and they're ranked. Double they're digit, ranked team, so. yeah, absolutely. yeah, that's crazy. And, and then, you know, great Saturday, a lot of, a lot of uh, games closer than we expected, as you mentioned, uh, some quality games and some big time ranked, uh, you know, performances. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, just a, another, we, we've been very fortunate to, to the games that we've been able to get, especially here towards, you know, in, in the month of November have, have for the most part been really, really good games, really enjoyable and uh, another great week last week. Yeah. I mean, before we get to the ranked actions, Xavier, uh, you almost had that Rutgers call. I mean, that was so close. It went into double overtime. Michigan survives. And I think, uh, you know, bonus for them, I think they found their starting quarterback too because McNamara is going to start again this week. So uh, your thoughts on that game and any other game you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, kudos to Michigan finding a quarterback. I think it's uh, five weeks too late. But, you know, at this point, you're really looking for silver linings with that ball club. Uh, But Rutgers looks good. You know, obviously their record doesn't look great, but they've played – you know, well in pretty much every game that they've played this year, barring the Ohio State matchup. I mean, they only lost to, to uh, by two scores to Indiana in week two. They only lost by a field goal to Illinois two weeks ago. I mean, obviously they lose in double overtime to Michigan. I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to say Rutgers is a team that, you know, they, they might be able to finish the season. Let's put it this way. They might be able to finish the season 500. It wouldn't be surprising. They play Purdue, Penn State, and Maryland down the stretch. They'd have to win all three to finish 500. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to do it. Uh, they've got something good going up there in Rutgers. They're beginning to compete again. And this is when the Big Ten gets fun. When teams like Rutgers are starting to compete again, uh, 
and is and no game is a cakewalk. And teams like Northwestern are coming back. Hopefully, they can continue this past this year, and we don't have another bottoming out period like last year. Uh, but Northwestern as well, being able to turn over a Wisconsin team five times. One first and foremost, Wisconsin. I don't think they turned over the ball five times in forever uh, yeah. in, in a ball game. So you know, Wisconsin is not a team that that turns the ball over very often. Uh, they they don't they they are pride themselves on keeping control of the ball and, and especially keeping possession. So. You know, that was a big time win. A little weird thing for me is I don't know if this is just because they started late, but currently speaking, the Pac-12 is starting slow. You know, Oregon and USC are kind of sputtering out of the blocks right now. I think now. we saw that for a lot of teams mm-hmm. when they first started. It's just the Pac-12 started later. Right. So. And, and, you know, USC has obviously sputtered out. They looked a little bit better this week. Obviously, Keaton Slovis needs to get back uh, to where he was last year. He's still not there yet. Uh, Jake Bentley, this was his first start for Utah since leaving South Carolina. He looked rough. Um, uh, for Utah, when you look at Oregon, but he didn't start. He he oh, barely right. lost right. that job. A rising uh, shoulder injury out for the year, so he's a starter from here on. But yeah, yeah. That's I I take that not as a great sign that he no. didn't he didn't come out with a job, but now now it's his. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't look good either. One touchdown, two picks in your first game. Uh, that, that's that's not a good job. Uh, as far as obviously, I'm gonna give a little bit of kudos to J- JT Daniels who. Wanted to go ahead and out the entire coaching staff after the game for not playing you. Shut up. But I will say you had a really good game. He looks healthy. Once again, I've been telling everybody just because you are clear to play does not mean you're good enough to play uh, health-wise. That you know that 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 whole word of clearance is iffy when it comes to something like an ACL tear. Uh, and, and lastly, I'd like to hit on uh, BYU. I mean, they continue to do what they're supposed to do. Uh, you know, they continue to win big. Unfortunately for them, the you know. The committee doesn't see their wins as impressive enough. However, when you look at their strength of schedule versus somebody like Ohio State, I know the picture's gone around. Their central schedule was ranked 81st. Ohio State is ranked 76th. So who's been more impressive in their wins so far? BYU, in my opinion. So to have them at 14, I think was crazy. Uh, I think it was ridiculous to even have them behind a two-loss Georgia. That was just I, – I didn't get that whatsoever. Uh, I, I don't care if Georgia's lost to both Alabama – and uh, I don't talk and, too uh, bad about it. Reese Davis will get mad at you. So. And, and, I mean, and, and that's fine. But the, at the end of the day, they deserve to be in the top 10. They've blown the doors off of everybody that they played this year. Uh, and I just that, that was just very head scratching for me. And, I, and I'll leave on this point. I think Justin Fields is currently out of the Heisman race after this weekend. I think this is a two-horse race, and I think this race will come down to the SEC championship game uh, between Trask and Jones, and uh, we'll find out who wins our Heisman from that game. I think Justin Fields, after his performance today, uh, like this past week with three turnovers, especially three picks and the way he and the way he played, even though they came away with the win, we know it wasn't on his back this week. Uh, so I think it's Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, and the winner will be decided in Atlanta. Ah, very, very interesting. Uh, you know, uh, Xavier hit on a couple points from the uh, first uh, bowl rankings coming out. Nick, your thoughts on any of that stuff? Uh, I, I don't pay too close attention. Didn't watch the show last night. Followed, you know, a few things on on Twitter. I was surprised. I mean, the, the biggest thing everybody's talking about, of course, is BYU. I was surprised that they were uh, ranked 14th. Uh, they, they have been incredibly, incredibly impressive uh, I'm not one to say, you know, obviously the, the committee hasn't seen any BYU. They they probably have, but yeah. uh, it's just the, you know, I, I, I also understand people getting upset about, oh, you know, what can they do about the schedule? They just said they kind of had to cobble things together if they had played their original schedule, uh, you know, that, that 
that they expected to have in, in 2020 and beaten teams like they have, then they would be much higher, of course, if they had played that, uh, you know, original schedule. They, they might not be undefeated. They might not have beaten all those teams or, or you know, as, as big as they did. So it's, it's just a, a weird, unfortunate situation, and it does seem like it's basically going to be too big of a hill, you know, hill to climb for BYU at this point to, to make it in. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunate because they've been incredibly dominant. They actually rank number one in our overall team performance. They rank number two offensively and number eight defensively. They, they even rank in the top 10 in special teams. They rank six. So uh, BYU has been absolutely uh, a ton of fun to watch, completely dominant. It's very unfortunate what's happened, but uh, you know, I, I do also – kind of understand it so uh hopefully you know they it sounds like we'll continue to try to add uh, a, a game or two it would be great if they're able to you know put a, a power five opponent or a big time g5 opponent uh they're in the mix late but uh you know hopefully they'll also if that doesn't come to fruition we'll see them in a, a pretty decent bowl game against a good opponent and see what they can do against a more talented team than they've played so far this year so uh that you know, the biggest takeaway, I guess, was was just sort of thoughts on BYU. But uh, everything else, it seems, will play itself out. Uh, the Big Ten, Pac-12 teams are, are uh, lower maybe than some might have thought because of the, the smaller number of games. That'll work itself out, I guess. You know, Ohio State is, is good enough at this point where if they win out, they'll be in. And, you know, Clemson, Notre Dame, assuming that uh, Clemson doesn't, beat Notre Dame by 50, it seems like both of those teams will probably be in. Clemson, of course, if they lose, I, I guess, would be out. But uh, for the most part, everything else seems relatively, you know, straightforward. Win, keep winning, and, and uh, they, you have an opportunity to, to get in. Teams like Florida, teams like Texas A&M, you know, if you, if you uh, win out, there's still a chance. Uh, but everybody else, it, it seems, uh, as long as they take care of business at the top, uh, seems relatively straightforward at this point. Probably shouldn't get too excited uh, or agitated, I guess, about BYU or Cincinnati because you know both of those will have uh, a difficult time if, if the teams at the top take care of business. They should schedule each other, right? Uh, I mean, you, that would be that fun. would be fun. But Cincinnati had its game against Temple canceled this week. Apparently, I mean, we knew Temple was basically playing. Uh, whoever they can find but uh but cincinnati it sounds like had some COVID issues as well so that probably uh makes it next impossible to add the byu game everybody was circled you know uh december 5th doesn't seem like that's going to be a possibility uh but i yeah i would love to see it you know maybe maybe somehow it can make it work in bowl season doesn't seem likely i guess but uh yeah it's it's uh, I, uh, one other silver lining, I guess, to this year is we we've seen the ability to schedule games quickly. So there is a little bit of you know fun to element of fun to what could BYU do. Uh, excuse me, BYU do from here on out uh, to to beef up its strength of schedule, which is something we haven't really seen in college football in decades, if ever. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it would be great if they can add somebody like a Cincinnati. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm also not really holding my breath 
that, that that'll happen either. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I got a couple things uh, before we go uh, to the games this week here. And Xavier, we'll start with you on this one. Dabo Swinney's comments on uh, Florida State. I mean, uh, I I went on a little bit of a rant on this on uh, my college fantasy football on campus show. I thought uh, his statements were idiotic to say the least. Um, but uh, your your thoughts on him and what he said about FSU using COVID as an excuse? Shut up! <laughs> I'm sorry. Perfect. Sometimes coaches. As much media training as these college athletes are going through, you don't stop in for a class, Dabo? Do do you not stop in to say hello to the teacher who's teaching these classes? Clearly not. Because really, you're going to say that FSU is using a virus to stop themselves from playing you. I I think, you know, their respiratory systems are the least of their, are more of a worry for them than getting hit in the hole. I, I, I promise. That, that was just an idiotic comment from a coach who has just continued to put his foot in his mouth all year when it's come to this COVID situation. Uh, I, it makes me – and I love Clemson as a, as a neutral fan, uh, but it's really making it difficult right now with a guy like Dabo just to stop talking. I, I get that at one point it was really cool because they were the up-and-coming team. You know, you know, we were the underdogs. Nobody wants us to be here. Oh, look at, you know, last year his comments about their scheduling and it being cupcake-ish and all that other stuff. Cool, I get it. You're the underdog. At some point, you need to stop talking and allow yourselves the opportunity to do what you're supposed to do on the field. Let your play do the talking. We didn't need to hear anything from you. Take the week off especially with the issues that they've had with COVID on their own team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, Nick, what did, what did you think about that? I mean, I, I thought it was, you know, I, I understand that Dabo is a guy that doesn't see anything outside of football. It has, that, and that's what's driven him to be such a good coach is that he shuts out everything else. But I think at some point, you know, and, and especially this year, you have to have the wherewithal to understand what you're talking about and uh, know that not everything is a motivational tactic. And uh, I was just kind of surprised at the stuff he said, even from him. I think this is the guy we'd expect it from, but I think you wouldn't even expect it from him this year. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of, of uh, the comments that, that uh, Devo Sweeney made. I mean, I certainly respect him as a football coach, respect what he's built at Clemson, but uh, this is not something I spend a lot of time worrying about. And it, it's, uh, I, I, it doesn't really sound to me, even though I, I haven't, you know, dug into everything he said right, too, right, right. Uh, too much, but it, it, everything sounded like Florida State was in the right if I was going to, yes. if I was going to mm-hmm. side on, uh, you know, one side or the other. And I'm sure there are people out there who completely disagree and, and think that uh, Dabo is, you know, everything he says is completely right. I I don't spend too much time worrying about it. And, and it's not really, uh, he, he's not my favorite personally. Uh, I, I absolutely respect what he's done uh, there at Clemson, but this is, yeah, it's not, not really thing I'm, too worried about, and I don't necessarily see eye to eye with him on on uh, this particular situation. We'll say the other thing I wanted to talk about because I think this is awesome is uh, Vandy uh, talking about potentially using Sarah Fuller, who's the uh, the Commodores women's soccer uh, goalkeeper, as their kicker this week. I think this is how you yeah. do it. This is how you get your foot in the door. So 
I, I love this and I hope it happens. Uh, your thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I think it would be great. I mean, uh, Vandy's in need of, you know, players in a lot of positions, but it sounds like, you know, the specialists have been hit hard uh, in, in recent weeks. And it's, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, I believe, uh, won the SEC title. And the goalkeeper, it sounds like, is a really, you know, high-quality player. And, hey, if it works, great. And and it would be, I think, a, a real bright spot for Vandy and a, a good thing for the sport. I, I absolutely yeah. look forward to it. Hope it happens. Xavier? Yeah, I mean, more inclusion, the better, in my opinion, especially, you know, in this type of situation. She obviously knows how to kick a ball. So, you know, put her out there, see what she can do. And heck, she might earn a did she earn another scholarship. I'm not so sure. But, hey, <laughs> you know, give, give her the refund so from that scholarship. Say, just too. give me the money for the yeah, scholarship. Exactly. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I would take it, too. Yeah. Give her, give her another one if she if she knocks in four for four. And, you know, watch. Watch. Who does Vanderbilt play this week? Missouri. Can I, can I, can I give that as my first upset pick of the week? <laughs> it's a it's a, uh, it's a weird one. It's it's I don't have a very good feeling as somebody who is invested in in uh, Vanderbilt losing every game this year. I don't have a great feeling this week, despite being well? two touchdown underdogs. So they played well in the first half against Florida. I think they're looking up. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping they made some strides. They've made some improvement. So yeah, yeah I'm down yeah. with it. Yeah. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a difficult uh, kicking situation for uh, Vandy this year. So they they could use a win, and if uh, if she's going to give them a win, let's do it. You know, let, let's and, and it can't get worse. So why not throw her in there? I know she hasn't uh, played football, and she's not an expert and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, it, that it's the most simple. It's even easier than running back. You know what I mean? It's uh, hit, kick the ball straight. Uh, put it through the goalpost if you can. It's not hard, so I, I think she could figure that out. So uh, <laughs> that that should be uh, that should be a lot of fun. But let's go talk about this week, fellas. And uh, oh, Xavier, oh, oh. oh, oh, whoa, hold on, hold on. Xavier has more to talk about. Hold we got on. to talk right. about our favorite coach of the podcast getting fired, right? I mean, Will Muschamp. Oh, we did talk about Muschamp. Last <laughs> I'm sorry, not Muschamp. It was talking about them possibly hiring Shane Beamer. That's what it is. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Talk yeah, about so uh, the assistant head coach for Oklahoma is meeting with South Carolina, uh, possibly becoming the next head coach. Um, Shane Beamer obviously has been, it has the pedigree. Uh, this is a guy who's been in and out in throughout the SEC his entire tenure up until he moved to Oklahoma. He spent uh, countless years at Tennessee, Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Georgia uh, on both sides of the ball as a cornerbacks coach and as a tight end coach at Georgia, uh, a cornerback coach at uh, Mississippi State. State and South Carolina. Uh, he finished. Uh, he finished his tenure in the SEC as a uh, tight ends coach at Georgia. Now he also has his tenure now as the assistant head coach and a tight ends coach at Oklahoma. I like the hire. I think this is a very underrated hire. It's not a big name like a Hugh Freeze, uh, it, but it, it allows him to, uh, you know, it allows him to work his way into a program that he already knows that he's been a part of. That he's, you know, and in in the long run. I think it'll be a better decision for them to go with a guy who has never been a head coach before than for them to go get a, a big name where the expectations will also follow him with that hire. Um, if you don't know, obviously, the last name, he's the longtime son. He's the son of the longtime head coach, Frank Beamer. So that's, you know, a little bit even more pedigree on top of that. So I, I would love the hire for South Carolina to go with somebody 
And as this being his first head coaching position, I think it's a, a good situation for him and it's a great situation for the program. I like that hire. What do you think about it, Nick? I mean, obviously nothing official yet, right. but uh, it, uh, it seems like a nice fit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Shane Beamer is is certainly qualified. He's uh, you know special teams uh, has uh, a great reputation as a special teams coach. Uh, has has uh, done a lot of you know coached a lot of different positions. Seems like a, a good guy, good recruiter. Uh, I don't I don't know though if I if if this would be where I would uh, you know I I don't know I I I have heard. Other names, of course, uh, floated out there. Uh, Scott Satterfield at, at Louisville was mentioned last night. He came out with a, uh, you know, a, a statement saying he's not going anywhere, not leaving Louisville, not interested in this job. But of course, Jamie Chadwell just down the road at, at Coastal Carolina, what he's done. Uh, you know, I, I think there is some value to having been a head coach, and, and Frank Beamer or, or you know Shane Beamer being a. a Son of a longtime head coach. I mean, he knows what's going on, being on a lot of great staffs. He, he's not going to be shocked by being a first-time head coach. But I think I lean toward – I don't know. I, I feel like if I were <laughs> South Carolina, I, I probably would feel more comfortable going after somebody who had been a head coach. But, I mean, again, you look just down the road at Clemson, the guy who's there who's won a bunch of trophies and – uh, has, has uh, you know, uh, built them into a, a uh, blue blood national power uh, program. Was it even the coordinator when he got hired as, as head coach was promoted from within? So there's no easy answer. There's no perfect formula. I could certainly see it working out and, and Beamer being, you know, as qualified as he is and, and has been somebody that's been in the conversation for a lot of jobs in the past, it certainly would be great to, to see him get an opportunity. If I'm South Carolina, I would be a little bit nervous to do it. But, you know, I, I don't always have – I thought Devo Sweeney was the worst hire in history when, when it happened, and obviously he's turned <laughs> into one of the greatest coaches in history. So uh, I, I certainly am, am not an expert in getting – you know, pegging the, uh, the hire immediately. But it'll be interesting to see what happens one way or the other. I mean, South Carolina is – Long been discussed as a sleeping giant. Will Muschamp, for his faults as you know not winning enough games, has brought a lot of talent there. And uh, whoever takes over is going to have an opportunity to, uh, you know, uh, perhaps build South Carolina quickly into a uh, winning program, a, a program that could compete in the East. I, 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 you know, despite their lack of success on the field. In recent years, I, I I do think that that's a possibility. I mean, we've saw, you know, uh, Florida, of course, a little bit different uh, animal just in, in general than South Carolina, one of the premier, uh, you know, programs, jobs in the country. But Will Muschamp brought a lot of talent to Gainesville, and uh, they they ended up uh, jumping quickly to become, you know, a division champ and and. Uh, uh, now a national championship contender uh, with, you know, kind of on the, the heels of uh, the recruiting work he did there. But, you know, could South Carolina make a similar jump? Might be a bit of a stretch, but I think that the potential is there. I mean, the, the rabid fan base, a lot of, a lot of money, a lot of facility, uh, you know, improvements over the years. So, uh, 
it's a good job. And, you know, Beamer certainly could be the guy. It's uh, maybe not my first choice, just, just glancing at it first thing, but uh, Hey, I've been wrong before. Uh, all right, let's take a look at this week and uh, Xavier, you're first up to pick a game. So what do you, uh, which one do you want to dive in on here? Indiana is playing Maryland this week. And as long as we keep it COVID-less, I'm excited about this ball, ball game. For me, Indiana is coming off of a game where they probably feel like they should have won. I'm going to be honest. They, they, they held Justin Fields to under 400 yards passing. They, 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 the, the turnover to touchdown ratio was in their favor. They probably feel like they didn't capitalize on said turnovers. Most of those turnovers were in the first half. Obviously, we know Ohio State went into the half up 28-7. to seven. They probably don't feel like they played their best game against Ohio State last week. And do they have one to a low where they're playing a Maryland team that has had mm, probably about eight or nine days to prepare for them? Obviously, Maryland's game last week got canceled. Uh, you know, they haven't played a game in almost three weeks now. You know, their last game was against Penn State on the 7th of November. So they've had a while. They're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're biting right now. They really want this game to go down. They, and they believe that they can win this game. Talia, up until, you know, obviously their co- the games that got canceled with COVID, he was one of the hottest quarterbacks in college football. I mean, this kid obviously had a really rough start to the year, but was able to find his footing very quickly. And then he they're going to come in as a very dangerous game for me. Uh, if Indiana does not take this game seriously and, and runs into a lull after finishing, you know, or they overlook this game as they, as they have uh, Wisconsin next week, this could be a trap game for them. You know, Indiana has to stay focused. This is a game that Tom Allen's going to have to make sure that his kids keep focused um, and, and come to play because if they don't, they're running into a buzzsaw. Maryland's offense has been clicking ever since that game against Northwestern, but we obviously know how good that Northwestern defense is, so that might not have just been on them. Uh, they need to continue. They're going to try to continue to keep this thing rolling, uh, and obviously they, if they were able to beat Indiana, they'd probably become a ranked team. I wouldn't be surprised about that. So they're definitely coming in wanting to play this game, wanting to knock off a ranked team, and Indiana is in their way. Uh, Indiana's coming off of a, a tough loss where I feel like they think they should have won. Do they find a lull or do they find, you know, uh, the will to keep pushing on even after a game where a lot of people feel like that may have been their season uh, and their college playoff hopes at least over? Uh, Nick, your thoughts on that game? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one to uh, jump off with. It, it wasn't really on my the top of my radar, but it's a it's a, a good one to start with in part because uh, I said last week a, a lot of the time that I was really nervous and, and feeling less secure in our all three agree projections when our mm-hmm. uh, official projected point spread, our talent ed- edge projection, and then our stats only model when all those three line up. For most of the season, that's been really, really uh, a solid uh, set of, of uh, criteria for, for numbers to meet. And, and I felt I lost a little bit of confidence with some uh, kind of mediocre performances uh, in, in the last couple of weeks. In week 12, those went 14 and 7. So our biggest selection of the year and one of our best uh, weeks. So I guess the re- reverse jinx worked, but I still. It kind of feel that way. I, I, I really, you know, it's good when all three of them agree, of course. I, I feel like that's a good kind of bar for things to meet for me personally to, to feel comfortable betting on a game. That, that's that's usually uh, the ones I, I lean on. But I've lost a little bit of confidence in, in the talent edge projections, but I feel really good about our, our official projection and I feel really good about our stats only model. And this game actually lines up 
so that the official projection and the, the stats only model are on Indiana uh, minus 11 and a half. Our, our official projection is almost 17. Uh, so, uh, you know, a, a three possession game, basically, which I feel pretty good. I feel I feel really good about that. Uh, almost a touchdown above what the line uh, officially is. The stats only model has it at, at almost two touchdowns at basically Indiana favored by 13. Talent edge, they're they're much, much closer. Maryland is recruited. Uh, really pretty well, better than you would expect based on the number of wins they've had in, in recent years. And then, of course, Indiana is one of those teams that's a, kind of an overachiever. So their uh, talent numbers are, are a bit behind uh, the more, you know, name brand teams in, in the Big Ten, the Ohio States, Michigan, Penn State even. Uh, but, you know, the, the numbers there are a little bit closer, but Indiana has played uh, really, you know, to a, a much, much higher level. They've entered our top 25 in our power rankings, which is, you know, significant, I would say, for, for Indiana, a team that uh, ranks in the, what, 40s for the most part, as far as uh, most of our talent uh, numbers go. But, you know, they, they've they've done it, and they've improved in, uh, you know, a lot of, of significant areas. The quarterback position, Michael Penix, finally healthy, is playing like the guy that, that we thought he could have been the last couple of years. Uh, they've got a really great running back in Stevie Scott, even though he didn't really get going against Ohio State. And they've got two of the best receivers in the Big Ten and Walt Fillier, who's, you know, gotten a lot of attention from defenses this year based on how much production he had in 2019. But now Ty Freifogel is, is just going nuts and, and looking like an all Big Ten receiver. So, you know, I, I think that Indiana, uh, I'm sure, will be. Definitely motivated, came up short last week. Maryland, as you mentioned, Xavier has been off, and they've had a little extra time to prepare, a little extra time to get healthy, but also they had what sounds like a really significant uh, outbreak there. So you wonder if there might be any sort of lingering factors. And and, and also I, I feel like even before that, Maryland was kind of playing a little bit uh, better than what seemed sustainable to me. They're knocking on the door of the top 25 in our offensive team performance rankings, but they rank 105th defensively. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like Indiana, based on the success, you know, the, the, the skill that we've seen from them offensively and, and uh, you know, the, the, what they've been able to do so far this year, that's a really, really bad matchup for the Maryland defense. And even though, you know, Indiana hasn't really, you know, played to a, a great, great level, they're only 47th in overall team performance, 63rd offensively, uh, 33rd defensively. And, and uh, you know, I, I feel like that offense has a little bit of room to grow. And I feel like the defense is, is going to be able to, you know, play with Maryland, uh, you know, really well. I, I certainly was impressed with uh, Talia Tungavailoa a, a few weeks ago. Jake Funk has been uh, much better than we expected as, as running back, and, and they do have some talent at the receiver position. But I, I kind of like how we're on the side of Indiana here, and I like that our best, our two best models, even even though all three don't agree, the two models I, I have the most confidence in see a, a bit of a, a gap between where uh, Indiana, you know, is projected compared to uh, what the current line is. So I, I feel pretty good about Indiana winning this game and, and covering our projection, our final score predictions, Indiana 37, Maryland 20. And, and that seems about right to me. Yeah, I mean, at first glance, I look at that game and I go, 
I mean, that's Indiana. They just went toe to toe with Ohio State. But Maryland has been playing some really good football this year, and they're a lot better than advertised. Tug Viola has uh, has them playing well, and just the best Twitter department in the game. Maryland, has. <laughs> yes, so absolutely. Every, every time they win, they have a a good tweet going out. So very very strong Twitter game for them. Uh, the game that I want to pick here is uh, it's a Friday game. It's Notre Dame on the road against North Carolina. Yes. Notre Dame is a four and a half point favorite. 68 a high over on this one, and it has gone up from what I saw. So, uh, Nick, your thoughts on North Carolina hosting Notre Dame in a big time showdown? Yeah, and uh, this this of course is one of the big big uh, games of the weekend. Two ranked opponents, top twenty in the playoff rankings, top twenty in our power rankings. North Carolina, <laughs> though they you know are, are uh, you know far from perfect. They lost some games probably that. You know, we didn't expect them, obviously, to lose to Florida State. They lost to Virginia, uh, but both of those were very close, and, and they've been basically unstoppable offensively uh, for, for you know, uh, several weeks now. And, and Sam Howell had a little bit of a slow start to the season. He is uh, clicking on all cylinders right now. I, I think it's pretty clear that they've got the best running back duo in the country. Uh, they might have – you know, uh, at least in the conversation for best receiver duo in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, this North Carolina offense is just absolutely loaded at the skill positions. And defensively, they've struggled at times, but they do have, uh, you know, Chaz Surratt, who's a all-ACC type linebacker. They've been really thin in the secondary, had some injuries there and some opt-outs prior to the season, but seems like they're getting a little healthier, might be able to get a, a guy or two back, and uh, it would – it would absolutely be welcome against Notre Dame, who uh, is number two in the country in the, the you know uh, playoff rankings. They're number four in our uh, our power rankings, which you know seemed a little high to me most of the year. But uh, for the most part, you know they they've earned it. They they have played to a a very high level. Uh, they rank sixth in our overall team performance rankings. They rank right on the edge of the top 10 in both offense and defense, 11th offensively, 12th uh, defensively. So, you know, this seems like a game that could absolutely be a shootout. And you, you mentioned the the total being 67. I've also mentioned before how our numbers, when it starts to get, you know, up there, when it starts to get into the mid-60s or, or higher, our numbers, uh, our totals, though we've had a lot of success this year, uh, picking totals, we've, we've been 56.9% throughout the entire season, even though we had a little bit of regression last week, uh, which could be coming, certainly, uh, from, from here on out. But we, we don't always, I, I feel like, have a great feel for uh, – Games when they're on the higher end, when they're in the mid to upper 60s or higher, or when they're in the 40s or, or lower. But, you know, this this one, we see it as, as being a little bit lower scoring, which I guess is, is to be expected. But interestingly enough, we see Notre Dame uh, officially as a double-digit favorite, which is a bit of a surprise. And mm. that that doesn't necessarily jive with, with our other two projections. In fact, our, our – like I mentioned, our other uh, model that has been the most successful, our projected scoring march, our, our stats-only model, has Notre Dame as only about a three-and-a-half-point favorite. So we'd have North Carolina uh, you know, covering in that instance. So 
it's it's uh, you know not unheard of that those two don't see eye to eye, but that makes me not as confident in this. Uh, you know, Notre Dame favored by more than ten. So I honestly don't have a, a great feel for that. Normally, I would see that number and think, okay, feeling really good about Notre Dame, but the stats only model has been so good this year that. I have a, a little bit of pause. So I guess fortunately I'll be able to, to sort of sit back and, and just enjoy this game without too much of a, a rooting interest one way or the other. But, you know, I, I feel like Notre Dame is, is really good offensively, really good defensively. They might not be elite at each, you know, at, at either side of the football, but they're basically a top 10 team on both sides of the football. North Carolina is elite offensively. I mean, they what they rank uh, fifth in our offensive team performance rankings, but they're pretty poor on defense. They rank seventy first defensively, and and that's really dragged them down to where they only rank eighteenth overall. So, I, I feel like you have two very good units for Notre Dame, and you have one great unit and one below so average far. unit. Yeah. And and that that makes me think, okay, Notre Dame, I, I I guess officially we are on Notre Dame minus four and a half. Uh our official projections, Notre Dame thirty-five, North Carolina twenty-four. I feel better about that because of, of you know, kind of the, the real weakness that North Carolina has shown defensively. But I I, I don't have a, a ton of confidence in it and, and I am just uh I guess kind of glad about that so I can just sit back and, and enjoy this game on Friday. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm with the numbers on this game, Xavier. I think I, I, I respect Notre Dame. Maybe, maybe it's to a fault too much in this game. Uh, you know, North Carolina has shown flashes of being a really good team, but they cannot seem to stop anyone. And I think Notre Dame uh, can not stop North Carolina, but I think they can slow them down. So I think I have Notre Dame fairly easy in this one as well. How do you see this one going? I'm really concerned to pick Notre Dame by a lot. I think Notre Dame will win. Uh, I think they I think they will handle their business. Uh, but by two scores concerns me. Um, because Notre Dame for me is not has not shown yet for me this season that they're capable uh, of blowing a team out with a with an explosive offense just yet. You know, the, the only two games that I really think they played explosive offenses were both really tight, Clemson and Louisville. Both of those games were, the, were, the, were within touchdown scores. So I'm really concerned on if Notre Dame is prepared uh, for the offense that's going to come. I think North Carolina will be overly prepared. I honestly think that that was why the game last week was so close for them against Wake Forest, was that they were definitely looking ahead to Notre Dame, and they just weren't able, you know, and they had to wake up and were like, oh, let's not lose this one, you know, in, in lieu of the game coming up. I really like the quarterback matchup here. I love Sam Howell versus Ian Book. I believe in Sam Howell more than I believe in Ian Book. But I just think that Notre Dame is going to get get it done defensively and on the ground. I think they're going to keep the North Carolina offense off of the field with time of possession. The one thing Notre Dame has been able to do all year is run the ball effectively no matter who they're playing. And I think that continues to be the case on Saturday. Uh, I think, they, like I said, I think they keep the ball out of Sam Howell's hands. They make that offense, uh, offense really – you know, maximize every single possession, which is something they haven't been able to do this year. Obviously, they've had big time lows in different halves. Obviously, the Florida State game uh, last week against Wake Forest. I think they did the same thing against Boston College this year as well. Uh, so I, I think that Notre Dame can 
blow this game out of the water if they seize the opportunity, uh, the opportunities that North Carolina will give them. Uh, the North Carolina has been susceptible to giving teams whole quarters where they just don't show up whatsoever. And if Notre Dame can capitalize on that, this can be a two touchdown, three touchdown type performance. I just don't know if Notre Dame will seize that, uh, will seize that opportunity to do so. But I do have Notre Dame winning this ball game. But I think it's just going to be a little bit tighter, maybe seven, maybe ten. Uh, but I don't, I'm not confident enough to say fourteen plus. All right, Nick, you're up. What game do you want to look at this week? Well, I guess we go ahead with the other uh, big-time Friday game, uh, two ranked teams, Iowa State traveling to Texas. and That's an uh, easy one to pick. <laughs> it is because we actually think that the wrong team is favored, and, and those have been uh, very good for us this year, 57.9%. So, uh, unfortunately, I guess for you, Scott, uh, Texas is favored in this game. Well, the yeah. number I saw had Iowa State favored by him. Uh, so it's, one point. It's, 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 been, uh, it's been a little back and forth. Has back and forth. So officially when we got it, and this was at 4 uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, Texas was, was favored by a point and a half. But let's see. Okay. What we I just, I'm looking at a, at a different app right now, and that app has uh, Iowa talk. State favored uh, by one point. So. Hmm, there we go. So uh, at least officially, it, it goes in that, and it, it could change, of course, between now and kickoff. But uh, Iowa State, sort of, uh, no longer now that the the playoff committee put them in the at the top fifteen, but they were flying under the radar a little bit this year. And of course, you know, when you open your season losing to a Sun Belt opponent, as they did Louisiana in a game that really wasn't that close, uh, then, you know, it, it, it's understandable. And then they did play a, uh, you know, ended up being close against Oklahoma State, but it felt like a game that Oklahoma State really controlled for the most part. But, you know, since then, and obviously these are not the most talented opponents, but uh, they have looked great against Kansas and for the most part against Baylor, at least early on, and then Kansas State last week, I mean, 45 to nothing. That is mm-hmm. uh, pretty pretty impressive. Kansas State, not the most talented again, obviously, but uh, to shut them out and then put up 45, I mean, on both ends, offense and defense, uh, very, very impressive performance. And, and I was a bit surprised, uh, you know, at, at how much Iowa State has improved as far as our team performance numbers go. They're in the top 15 of, uh, in overall team performance. They rank 27th offensively which seems even a little bit low of, of the potential and, and some of the performances we've seen. Brees Hall is, uh, you know, among the, the nation's best running backs right now. Brock Purdy is a 100-rated player, has been all year, struggled early in the year, but seems like he's coming around a little bit. And then defensively, this is a team that uh, we were used to playing, you know, expecting a top 25-type defense, but they didn't look like that in the first few weeks of the season, but they are there now. They're 22nd in, in defensive team performance. So overall, Iowa State has gone all the way up to 11th in our power ranking. So we think Iowa State is, is even a little bit better than the committee, and, and the committee got you know some some uh, blowback from uh, fans on Twitter because you know how could you put Iowa State so high and not rank uh, Louisiana when Louisiana beat them? Understandable point, but yeah. Iowa State has played uh, much, much better. At least when you when you dive a little deeper into the box score, uh, according to a lot of the numbers that we uh, take into account. So you know, 
it, it's uh, it, it's understandable to me that Iowa State is favored in this game according to our numbers. Now, obviously, as we talk about basically with any Texas game, Texas has the talent edge. I mean, this is one of the top, uh, you know, top 10, really, you know, they're sixth in overall uh, team strength, or excuse me, uh, roster strength. So so all of our talent numbers, they have the sixth most talented roster in the country, but they're barely hanging on in the top 20 as far as our power rankings go. They're 17th, and that's because they just haven't played like a top 25 team. They rank 45th in overall team performance. They rank 49th offensively, which has been the best side of the football for them so far, and they rank 41st defensively. So, uh, you know, as much problem as they've had in, in certain games this year, stopping opponents, they actually grade out a little bit better as far as the you know metrics go on the defensive side of football, but still on the outside of the top 40 looking in. So, you know, when I, when I look at a team as talented as Texas is, and I look at a team, you know, at, at Iowa State doesn't recruit, you know, uh, at the level Texas or Oklahoma or, or a lot of those type programs do, but they find underrated guys, you know, they're able to develop guys and they've, they've really, you know, as far as experience and production have, have elevated guys like Brock Purdy, like Brees Hall, like Jaquan Bailey and Mike Rose uh, on defense. And, you know, it added all up and taking the, the big picture that we do. And, and I understand why our official projection actually has Iowa State as a two-point favorite. Now, that doesn't necessarily line up with the other two. Talent edge, Texas would be a double-digit favorite. But in our stats-only model, that one actually I was a little surprised to see Texas as over a five-point favorite there. So both of those line up with Texas covering. But, you know, I, we, we call it the official projection for a reason. It, it, it tries to account for every factor that we can and I have the most trust in, in it, especially late in the season. So I feel I feel like this is a, a game Iowa State can go into Austin and, and uh, pick up an upset. Probably not, you know, not a huge upset. Wouldn't be a shock uh, for, for Iowa State to win this game. They are the higher rated, higher ranked team. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I feel like this is a game that the Cyclones uh, are rightly favored according to our numbers. Nick, how dare you? Number one, uh, no, no, just kidding. Of course, this is always a close game between Iowa State and, and Texas, and it's uh, it, it's always a tightly contested one. I think Iowa State is uh, such a great team. Matt Campbell's a great coach. Uh, I I think, that, but this is the game that see if Texas would have played Kansas, that would have been way closer than it should have been, and then they would go and beat Iowa State. That that's like. That, that those are the dumb things that happen to Texas. I mean, they happen to every team, but uh, it, go ahead. Go ahead. You bring up a really interesting point, something that, that didn't dawn on me until you mentioned it. If Texas had played Kansas, I bet Texas would have won 45 to 7 or something like that. Right. And then they would have been probably in the top 35 in all these team performance rankings. I wonder if we would have Texas favorite. If they play Kansas, I, it's so it's such a tight game. You know, this is uh, this is the definition of a coin flip game. So uh, I, I'm I'm with you on it. It's a very interesting one. It's going to be a great one early for me on Friday. So I have to wake up early, but I will get up early to see this game. Yeah, yeah. Boo hoo. I know. I know. 
Uh, yeah, it will not be the earliest I woke up this week by a large margin, by the way. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, th this game is going to go down to the wire. I think I think Texas usually finds a way to pull this one off. So all the people, uh, all the Iowa State fans hate Texas. So, um, you know, th this is the one that they they win when they lose. When they should have lost to Texas Tech earlier in the year and they drop a game. They shouldn't. This is the one they usually win. So your thoughts on this game, Xavier? Not very technical with... analysis from me. <laughs> it's from a history of watching Texas for a long time. Don't worry. I'm going to follow you up with just as little as a technical uh, perspective on this. Uh, I like Iowa State in this game. I'm sorry, Scott. You know, for me, I think Iowa State, I think a lot of people lost their luster for them when they lost to Louisiana, uh, <laughs> when they lost to Louisiana to start the year off. However, this Iowa State team, for the most part, has just continued to roll. Yes, obviously, they had the hiccup versus Oklahoma State earlier this year. However, they only lost to them by three as well. They have been a team that's been consistently good defensively for about four to five weeks now. Uh, you know, and, and I think that is something they're going to lean on. Brees Hall has got to be my favorite running back in college football at this point. And he He's continues, you know, he great. continues to he continues to shine. And I think that that's not going to stop on Saturday or excuse me, on Friday, where, you know, they're playing a Texas team that as good as Texas has looked, Texas still concerns me with their tackling. Texas still concerns me with their defense. They still have yet to show that they won't play down. These are all issues that Texas continues to show all year long. And I don't think that's going to change on Saturday. They may play up to or excuse me, Friday. I keep saying Saturday. If they, they may play up to Iowa State. They, you know, they might sh shut down Brees Hall. They have yet to show their ability to do that all year defensively against good offenses. You know, the last time that they played a good offense, yes, they won the game, but they still gave up 34 points to Oklahoma State. The other good offense they played, they gave up 53 to Oklahoma. You know, this is not, you know, and, you know, and TCU's not, you know, great team, but they gave up 33 to them as well. This is a defense that has not shown me an ability to stop an offense that has a quarterback that's not going to make mistakes or make stupid throws and a running back like Brees Hall. I've got Iowa State here. I don't think it's going to be big, but I got Iowa State by at least a touchdown here. Uh, I like Iowa State to run the table here. And, you know, Nick alluded to it. They might be able to, they might be clinching the Big 12 title uh, or they clinching a spot in the Big 12 title game if they win this game. I would love to see Iowa State in the Big 12 title game uh, personally. And I think that, you know, it looks like they will probably be playing Oklahoma. I would suspect. Uh, that, that would be the team that they would be playing. That game was 37 to 30. That was a great game. I would love to see that again, this time with Oklahoma and Spencer Rattler being more uh, more confident than what he was when they played him the first time. So I would love to see that. Can't wait to text you guys about that one. Uh, <laughs> all right, Javier, up for your second game. What are you picking here? Uh, okay, so this is the easy one for me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to be a homer here. Uh, Georgia State plays Georgia Southern this week. This is... You're gonna you know, let Nick talk about this game? Oh yeah, I'll let him go. Yeah, uh, because uh, I because <laughs> yeah, I, I'll let him go. I, you know, I don't I don't feel you know any concern about him being a jinx this week. Um, yeah, I got this is this is obviously this is my last Georgia State Georgia Southern matchup football wise. This is a huge rivalry. Obviously, we don't like them; they don't like us. Uh, however, Georgia Southern is has been, in my opinion, the better team all year. Yes, they slipped up last week to Army, but don't let that fool you. This Georgia Southern team has played very well this year. Uh, you know, and, and it concerns me that uh, Georgia State last week in that game, it took them a while to get started against a South Alabama team that isn't great whatsoever. And this game was rather tight for about, you know, three and a half quarters before Georgia State decided to open it up and, and put some distance. As much as I hate Georgia State, I mean, Georgia Southern, as much as I hate Georgia Southern, I, I can't go against 
the facts. And the fact of the matter is they've played better than Georgia State has this year. I still don't believe in that defense yet. They've had some great games or great halves like they did against Louisiana. And then they've had games against Coastal Carolina where I left the game in the third, in the third quarter. Like it's been so hit and miss with that defense that I'm not so sure what they'll give us on Saturday. Um, the the professional in me wants to say Georgia Southern. Uh, the fan in me wants to say Georgia State. I'm going to go with my professional side this year and say Georgia Southern is going to win this ball game, uh, giving me a sour taste in my mouth as uh, this would be my last time, like I said, seeing this game as a student. Unless somebody wants to play for my uh, you know graduate school, then by all means, you know, <laughs> this is the podcast. Go ahead. Uh, but this will be my last game as a student watching them play football. I think Georgia Southern will come away with the win, which leaves a weird situation for Georgia State as far as the bowl season is concerned. If they were to lose, they'd be a team under 500 vying for a bowl spot. I don't know if they'd get in. Uh, I know with the whole COVID situation, some teams aren't playing in bowls this year, but I still don't know if they'd get in with a four and five record. Uh, yeah, I mean, every team qualifies, so that's mm-hmm. nice this year. So there that's are fair. no there are no disqualifications, I believe, this year. I think they announced that a month ago, some something okay, like that. Cool. But 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 uh, you know, who knows who's going to get invited to bowl games at this point, and who so, might turn it down? I mean, there's there's definitely yeah. a, a chance, especially if it's a uh, you know smaller uh, school that you know ends up losing money when it goes to a bowl game. Might, we might see a couple of, of teams, uh, whether they do it officially or not, you know, publicly or not, uh, kind of decline a, a bowl opportunity. But we'll yeah, see. You know, that's that could definitely pure happen. speculation on my part. Uh, the number I'm seeing here, Nick, is Georgia Southern by a point and a half and 52 and a half as the over in this game. So how do you see that one going? Yeah, well, when we uh, when we officially released it this afternoon, uh, so it's come down half a point. We were at, we were at two at about four o'clock uh, this afternoon, and I should have uh, should have worn my GATA uh, shirt. Uh, I, I forgot to forgot to put that on. Xavier always loves that when when I when I've got that on when we record. But uh, it, this is a, a fun matchup, and it, it of course has a, a personal. Uh, feeling for Xavier, and, and I grew up in Georgia, so uh, I do like watching both of these teams. And, and uh, it's it's a uh, sort of budding rivalry. Not a, a lot of history here, but uh, obviously a, a little bit of hate has built up uh, over the the past few years, and especially now that they're both conference rivals in state uh, conference rivals. So uh, it, it's a fun matchup, and, and hope folks out there uh, have an opportunity to watch it. Uh, we have Georgia Southern favorite, and and that's somewhat understandable. Georgia Southern ranks 73rd in our power rankings. Georgia State ranks uh, 91st. Georgia Southern ranks 38th in team performance, so they've actually played like a top 40 team, uh, which is a, a little bit surprising. That's higher than I expected. It's basically they have a, a top 25 defense, and, and, you know, some of that is they've, they've played some – uh, you know, some weak competition at times. They, they do have an FCS opponent. They've played uh, Army last week, who is uh, solid of a team as they are, has a tendency to slow the game down. And, and so sometimes the uh, numbers that we look at, you know, doesn't always uh, shine, you know, bright on, on a team like Army. Uh, and then also, you know, Georgia Southern with its own uh, triple option offense, option offense, 
uh, can sometimes, you know, make its defense look a little bit better than you would expect numbers-wise just because they limit opponents' possessions and, and things like that. But anyway, you know, uh, playing like a very uh, solid team. Six and three now. They played a ton of close games. And they've got, a, you know, in my opinion, one of the best uh, G5 quarterbacks, especially an option quarterback in the country, and Shai Wirtz, who uh, probably will – play a big, big role in this game. He's been banged up at times. He spent some time on the sidelines in most games that I've seen. It's hobbled off at, at you know certain times, takes a lot of hits, running the football a lot. Uh, but I expect that he will you know be there to go all out this game, and, and they're probably going to need him because George Southern very, uh, you know, very uh, little around him at, at the running back position. J.D. King went out for the season with an injury a few weeks ago. Wesley Kennedy, unfortunately, has gotten himself in uh, some trouble off the field, has been suspended indefinitely, along with a couple of uh, defensive players, uh, one of which was a starter in the secondary. So Georgia Southern is, is going to be shorthanded here, and they were already coming in uh, with a little bit of a, a talent disadvantage. Georgia State, according to our talent numbers, is the more talented team would be about a two and a half point favorite if talent were the only factor that we were looking at. But turn that around, Georgia Southern uh, is our, our stats only model. And, and a lot of that is because Georgia State uh, has had very limited, very modest success over the past five years at a bowl uh, season last year, but has been, you know, statistically not, not a, a, a great team uh, as far as a lot of the numbers we look at. Georgia Southern would be about a touchdown favorite, uh, according to that model. But, you know, when we when we boil it all down, it comes out very close to that current one-and-a-half-point uh, projection. We've got Georgia Southern favored by 1.38. So our final score prediction is Georgia Southern 29, Georgia State 28, which would be yet another one-point uh, game for Georgia Southern, but it would be Georgia State covering. So officially, Xavier – uh, we're going to be rooting for Georgia State on this one. So hopefully they will uh, be able to cover if, if they uh, win outright. We certainly won't object, even though we have Georgia Southern technically uh, as a, a little little over a one-point favorite here. I don't know if I told you guys, but I actually went to both schools. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I went to Georgia Southern for a year and then transferred to Georgia State. So it means a little bit more to me for that reason as well. And I had high school guys I played with who – went to play that Georgia Southern and Georgia State. So it, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lot. Uh, House divided. Self-divided. Yeah, yeah. yeah self-divided. self-divided. Exactly. exactly. Um, I'm having a hard time picking my next one, but I think I'm going to go with the uh, game with a uh, bigger spread here. And let's just go. You know, we talked about Dabo a little bit earlier, and uh, they are hosting Pitt. 23 and a half is line. Big, big line on that game. Uh, no one would be shocked. I mean, Clemson has been beating teams uh, thoroughly this year outside of Notre Dame, of course, but it should we be betting on Clemson by this many points here, Nick? I know you said we have a proclivity to, uh, you know, take the, uh, take the points on big spreads, but uh, Clemson is very dominant. So uh, how do you see this one going? So it's, it's interesting 
that that you said that you know that that uh, in some cases we lean where there's a big spread and 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 part of that is our talent edge number. I'm going to have to do a little work over the off season. I feel like we are uh, kind of scrunching down our projection too much on on the talent edge because uh, with that we only have Clemson as a, a 15 point favorite. So obviously big big edge there. We would expect uh, that these teams, you know, that the the talent on the field is not. Uh, as as big as you know, twenty four points, uh, obviously. But but I feel like because our projected scoring margin, our our, our stats only model, actually has Clemson favored by twenty six, and and I feel pretty good about that. That one has uh, has been our best model all year, and and then our official model, which is really gaining ground, and and officially we are at fifty five point six this year, which is you know if we can hit that. Uh, I, I would be ecstatic. That would be our best year yet. And, and that would be, uh, that's sort of a goal. Hitting 55 is uh, a benchmark. And to do it in this season, you know, maybe we just got really lucky a lot, like the, the Tulsa finish. Uh, but uh, on the other hand, you know, maybe maybe we're starting to figure out a thing or two because that official model actually has Clemson favored by 28. And I, I, one, of the, one of the reasons I feel good about that and, and feel better and better about this model and, and, you know, these two in particular is over the off season, I, I did a lot of work uh, trying to figure out, okay, how, how, why are we missing some of these big spreads because we're leaning on underdogs too much. And, and you know, there is value on underdogs in a lot of situations. And, and uh, that's part of the reason we did so well in bowl games the last couple of years, we were really, really heavy on underdogs and bowl games the last couple of years. But we were missing a lot of these, you know, 24-point favorites, 40-point favorites. We were, we were giving up a lot of value on those. We've done a little bit better this year, and I, I think I figured a, a couple of things out to be able to capture, you know, that tail end of, of big favorites because a lot of times favorites are, are big-time favorites for a reason. And then Clemson has been so much better than every team that's played other than Notre Dame this year. And, and, you know, there are some built-in excuses there for Notre Dame uh, because Trevor Lawrence, of course, wasn't there. Dabo Swinney's been running his mouth all week, we know. I mean, you know, is is he going to really want to make a statement for whatever reason, take it out on Pitt because he can't take it out on Florida State? It's a good point. Maybe maybe that's something we can't account for. But uh, I I feel pretty good about this. Our, our, Our numbers have done really pretty well with Pitt this year. We've we've picked them as a favorite a couple of times early in the year when they were underdogs that worked out. We've had the, you know we were on the right side when we thought that Notre Dame should be uh, more than a 10 point favorite. They blew them out. Uh, we we've so far and and certainly past performance is not always uh guarantee future success. Throw that out there. But you know, Pitt we have ranked 35th. They're a solid team. Our numbers do respect Pitt. They respect, uh, you know, some of the, the skill position players. Kenny Pickett is a top 25 quarterback, according to our numbers. They've got some skill at the receiver position. DJ Turner had a huge game uh, last week. Uh, Addison, if he's going to be able to, to get back after missing last week, has been one of the best freshman receivers, if not the best freshman receiver in the country. They're still, even though they're they're losing guys on defense, you know, their defensive line is a top 20 unit. 
uh, according to our numbers. And, and they grayed out uh, really pretty well, 16th in the country still defensively as far as our team performance numbers. So I feel like our numbers have a heavy uh, or, or a healthy uh, respect for Pitt. And then to turn around and see, okay, we have Clemson favored by over 28 points uh, when, when the spread is 24. I think Clemson's going to blow them out. And our final score projection is 41-13, uh, Clemson winning. And, and you know, I, I think that's the right side. Yeah, I mean that that I, I think that is a great point you make about Dabo, you know, uh running his mouth and, and talking and wanting to make a statement. I, I think that that is a real good point and it could definitely play into the line this week. Xavier, how do you see that Clemson and Pitt game going? Well, I agree a hundred percent with you guys. Pitt plays games very ugly. I just you know, and, and yeah. so I don't know necessarily if this game is going to be a blowout from Clemson, you know, uh, this is a Pittsburgh team that's find it, found its stride over the last couple of weeks. Now, you know, they, they beat, they blew out Florida state. Then they went ahead and blew out Virginia tech, you know, in, in pretty dominating fashion. And obviously they did on both sides of the football, you know, if so for me, as good as this Clemson team is, and as much of a statement as, as they're going to want to make, especially after not being able to play last week and Dabo running his mouth, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, obviously them being fourth as well, they're going to have to, you know, put in the style points because they've got Texas A&M and Florida, you know, nipping at the hill. I think Pitt can keep this rather ugly. I, I think they'll keep it within 10 points to two scores. Um, and, and Clemson is going to struggle a little bit. You know, this is a Pittsburgh team that when, when they play good teams, they tend to try to, you know, you know, uh, rough it up a bit. They did the same thing against Miami earlier in the year, only losing that game by 12, really making it tough for a guy like Derrick King to get started, he threw two picks in that ball game. Obviously, their one big blemish of the, on the year is getting blown out by Notre Dame, but we also see Notre Dame is one of the better teams in the country. Uh, and even in that game, they still held Ian Book to only about fifty, uh, about a fifty-three percent completion percentage. So they're going to make Trevor Lawrence work for this win. They're going to make Clemson work for this win. And, and I don't know if Clemson is prepared to blow a team out like Pitt that is as confident and coming into this game as they are. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Dabble, you know, at the end of the game, runs a fake punt just to give a good old finger to the rest of the country. Uh, but you know, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't put that past him whatsoever. But I would be ultimately surprised if if Clemson won this game by three or four scores. All right, Nick. Last game. What are you picking? Well, I, I guess uh, we might as well talk about the Iron Bowl, uh, Auburn and, and uh, Alabama. Might as well, two yeah. ranked teams, um, and Alabama is a. a Heavy, heavy favorite. Uh, last I saw, and, and our official number uh, was twenty-four and a half, I believe. Which, uh, wow! I mean, that's you know unexpected. Auburn beat Alabama last year, right? And and uh, these two quarterbacks faced off against one another last year. Mac Jones, Auburn made him look uh, like a first-time starter. You know, made him look like uh, there was a huge drop-off between he and, and Tua Vailoa. Of course, this year, Mac Jones is a Heisman contender. He's, I think, has the second best odds uh, last I saw behind Kyle Trask. So uh, he's playing it at a, a elite level. Uh, they've got Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, arguably two of the best players at their positions in all of college football. They've got what our numbers think is the number one offensive line in the country. And, and they've been playing like that. They're number one in offensive team performance. Uh, Alabama has been unstoppable offensively. They put up 63 last week. The defense of course uh, is 
coming around, like, like we mentioned. They're uh, 21st in defensive team performance, not quite the Alabama of old, but moving in the right direction. They're number one in our power rankings. They're number one in the committee playoff rankings. So, uh, you know, absolutely they should be favored big time, uh, even against Auburn, who Auburn is a, a very interesting team. Beat Alabama, of course, last year. Gus Malzahn has had success against Nick Saban and, and against Alabama. Nick Saban, of course, will not be there. What? Yep. There's there's no way we can account for that. I mean, we have Nick Saban as, as our number two, uh, you know, rated head coach in college football. I think he's he's the best. But the way our numbers work, uh, Dabo Sweeney is, is uh, you know slightly edges him out in our head coach rankings. Uh, but you know, we we can't just completely write him off. We can't just throw in Steve Sarkeesian's uh, head coach ranking there because, you know, there's still the, the plan in place is, is Nick Saban's and I'm sure things are not going to be all that different. And yeah, head coaches give, you know, fire them up speeches and, and all that, but that, you know, the effect of that usually uh, fades away after the ball's, you know, kicked off the first uh, whistle blows and, and you pretty much forget about that. So, you know, the, the, the impact of those, you know, who's the head coach, I think is, you know, not a major concern. Even if Nick Saban's not going to be there, I don't see that being a, a big time factor in Auburn's favor. And I don't necessarily see it, you know, like, oh, win one for Saban or whatever for Alabama, go out and beat him by 50. Don't think that's really going to be a factor either. So I uh, throw that out and just look at, you know, how well has Auburn played? Can Auburn keep it close. They rank 37th in team performance. They rank 38th offensively, 49th defensively, which is uh, a bit of a shock to be, to be quite honest. I mean, uh, Kevin Steele still ranks among the top five in our defensive uh, coordinator rankings. He he, uh, is a 95 rated defensive coordinator. It's pretty rare for a guy to be in the nineties and and he's in the mid nineties. So uh, somebody who's, you know, Alabama, of course, scored a bunch last year, but has schemed against Steve Sarkeesian, has schemed against Alabama, knows this roster very well. I would not be at all surprised if Auburn puts together uh, its best, you know, top to bottom defensive performance of the season this this week. Uh, they are not, you know, 100% uh, and 100% strength. Uh, K.J. Britt has been out since October third and, and doesn't seem like he's going to be back. They've had some injury issues in the front seven, just sort of as a whole. But I, I feel like, uh, and and it's just kind of a, a you know, a gut feel thing, but I, I feel like Auburn is going to have a, a good plan in place and they're going to give Mac Jones a little bit more trouble than he's faced maybe all season. It's just, are they going to be able to score enough to keep it, at all close. I, I don't think that Auburn's going to win this game, but can they can they cover is sort of our our big question here. Bo Nix has been a bit of a roller coaster. Sometimes he looks great. Last year he, he played pretty well, beat Alabama uh, as a true freshman. The running back position, Tank Bigsby is questionable. I might lean to doubtful. Did not practice Wednesday, but they've got some depth there. They've got some guys. Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz are a quality duo. At, at wide receiver. Seth Williams, I think, is going to be a better pro than he has been a college player. He's been a really good college player. Anthony Schwartz, everybody talks about, you know, the fastest guy in college football. Uh, but he's, he's uh, you know, shown up as a receiver. 
as well this year. And, and last week had a huge game. The offensive line has been a bit of an issue at times. They, they've, they played decently well, but it's still uh, kind of the, the weakest, the weakness of the Auburn offense in, in my opinion. And, and uh, part of the reason I think why Bo Nix has uh, been on a bit of a roller coaster this week, will it be an up week or a down week? I don't know. Our, our numbers uh, see Alabama as a heavy favorite. All three, uh, you know, have Alabama as double-digit favorites. Just based on talent alone, Alabama would be an 11-point favorite. Uh, our stats-only model uh, gets a little bit bigger, but Alabama would only be favored by two touchdowns. Our official projection, I thought there was going to be a pretty good chance here, similar to the way Clemson – uh, blew past that 24 in our model and, and some of the other ones uh, that we've got, you know, have a, a heavy favorite. We have, we're on the side of the favorite. I thought Alabama was going to get there, but our official projection only has Alabama favored by 23 points. So actually all three of our numbers do line up on Auburn this week. I don't have the, the highest amount of confidence in that, but 24 and a half, is a pretty good number if you're gonna uh, if you're gonna be on you know one side of 24 and a half. I probably feel a little bit more confident, um, a little more comfortable being on the underdog there, especially in a rivalry game, especially when uh, one you know the, the the side that we're on actually won the game outright last year. A lot has changed, obviously, between now and then. Uh, but you know, I, I guess if I had to pick a side, and I do, we pick all games. Uh, I, I'm I'm pleased, I guess, that we're on Auburn plus 24 and a half. I think Bama will win. I think that there's every possibility that they will blow Auburn completely out of the water, win this by, uh, you know, 30 or more. It, it certainly could happen. But there are a lot of scenarios that could play out in many, many different ways. And, and Alabama winning somewhere in the range of 40 to 17, which is our official projection, is, is well within uh, the realm of possibility. And, and 24 and a half in a rivalry game against a top 15 team, and Auburn's 15th in our power rankings, uh, that's, a, that's a big number. That's a big number. So uh, I'm, I'm, I guess, happy that we're on Auburn. I'm a little less happy that all three agree because that's, you know, we, we hype those up a little bit. Uh, but, hey, that's been pretty good for us as well. So uh, Alabama 40, Auburn 17, somewhere in that. Um, yeah, man, I, I, this game, it's hard for me to get a gauge on Auburn, uh, Xavier, <clears throat> you know, they, they lose, they, they lose to South Carolina. Um, uh, they, they, they lose to Georgia. Those are their two losses. And, uh, you know, they beat Kentucky, Arkansas. They squeaked that one out. Um, Mississippi, they, they beat by a touchdown. They dominated LSU and they beat up, uh, Tennessee pretty good. 30, 17, uh, last week. So I just can't get it. Like, are they real good or are they okay? Like that's, <laughs> that's my thing. That's why I feel like I, I would lean towards the, they're pretty good, but not great. So I think this is an appropriate line. I think this is a really good line in this game. Um, so I, I think I would favor Alabama, but Nick brings up some good points here. Did that, did that any did the, any of that flip you to picking Auburn? Because uh, your your facial response says <laughs> that you're going to go with Alabama. The Mac Jones revenge tour continues, and that bus is going to roll all through Auburn. Uh, this is a game that I 
he, I, this is a game that I know that he circled on his schedule before the season even started. He wants his revenge against his team. Not only did he lose to them, but he played bad. And his turnovers were the game changer. You know, he threw a pick, he throws a pick six at a key point in that game. He throws, no, you're right. Yeah. And, you know, Auburn needs those two pick sixes to win that ball game uh, by the end of it. So when you look at the grand scheme of things, if Mac Jones plays well last year, Auburn wins. And do they, you know, go on to play in, in the college football playoff or, you know, contend for a national championship? Probably. You know, it, you know, they probably have a better shot after that ball game. But one, you know, but a big thing for me in this game is that Mac Jones just continues to play well. And Auburn, as good as they've looked over the last two weeks, are still the team I remember that, that should have lost to Arkansas. You know, this team has not changed since that moment. They're not healthy. Um, and the key positions that are going to be – that they're going to need to be at in this game. Last time I checked, Najee Harris is still playing running back. So last time I checked, the linebackers still have to be great enough to fit the hole and hit him. And, and at the end of the day, that's not happening. Uh, that's not going to happen on Saturday. Uh, I, I, this is going to be ugly. I, I genuinely think it's going to be ugly. <laughs> not only is it, you know, Mac Jones's revenge, but this is in Tuscaloosa. This is a team that's rolling. You know, no, no pun intended. Obviously, with it being Alabama, and when you look at Alabama's schedule, this is it. You know, they've got Arkansas next week, but this is it. They're, they're going to put it one hundred and ten percent into Auburn into this Auburn game, and that's probably the last thing that Auburn needs on their schedule right now. Is to, is to play a rowdy, confident team that's going to be without their head coach. You know, and, and I think that you know, as much as Saban not being there is a big factor to their coaching staff, it's also big for the players. You know. To win, the, you know, to an extent, like you said, to win this one for him to an extent uh, and to play their best even when he's not there. Uh, and so I got Alabama big. I got Alabama by 30 plus. This is going to get ugly. Uh, I won't be surprised if Bo Nix throws two pick sixes just to make up for the, the two pick sixes that Mac Jones threw last year. You know, I, I genuinely think that Albert is outmatched in this ball game, And even in the games that they have won. Over the last two weeks, yes, they were able to demolish LSU, but so was Missouri earlier this year. And, and you know, when you look at their win against Tennessee, Jerry Garantano kind of gave them the game in the second half with a couple of terrible throws and a, and a ninety, uh, was it a hundred yard pick six uh, to start the third midway through the third quarter. So uh, I've got Alabama in this one big, uh, and I think the tide roll. Oh come on! Uh, <laughs> all right, well, uh, upset picks here. We got to do Ooh. some upset picks. Ooh. It looks like Xavier wants to start, so let's yes. go to him first. This team that I'm gonna call for an upset is gonna get their first win of the season. Penn State's gonna upset Michigan. Mm. Wow, way to go out on a limb. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, hanging over a cliff. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. You know, this is a team that has not looked good at all. They got stomped into the ground last week by Iowa. An Iowa team that's been sneakily snuffing people in the ground all year, off and on, uh, at three and two. But Penn State is a team that's got to get it right. And I think what better way to get it right than to play a guy who is – this is his second start uh, in college. And, you know, you have a defense that is still as talented as Penn State's. Oh, his first? Oh, two. True. He didn't start last week because Milton started. But, yeah, I think that this is a good matchup for them. You know, as, you know, as much as Michigan looked better offensively last week, they still gave up 42 points to Rutgers. You know, I don't think Rutgers has scored 42 points all year just to give a barometer. I think that when you when you look at Penn State, this is a hung. This is a team that, although it's been a terrible season, it's been an awful season for in every stretch of the imagination and every statistical category for Penn State that matters. Beating Michigan is always fun, and, and so these kids are going to be up for this ball game. You know, it's on the road, uh, so that obviously gives them even more reason to beat Michigan at home. And you know, what what better way for James Franklin to say, at least I didn't lose to that guy. 
<laughs> in, in talking to Harbaugh. You know, so, so I think Penn State picks up his first win of the year, you know, a consolation victory because they're probably going to get their heads beating uh, for the next two weeks after. But, you know, this is a consolation victory for them. You know, they'll finish, you know, who knows? They play Rutgers next week. They might be able to finish off the season on a three-game winning streak. This might start it here against Michigan. Penn State gets his first victory of the year, and the heart and the hardball train continues to fall off of the tracks beautifully. All right, Nick. How about uh, what is your upset pick here? I mean, Xavier going out on on the <laughs> farthest of limbs to pick Penn State over Michigan. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're you know all three of our our projections do line up on Penn State plus two. We have Michigan as less than a one point favorite, but uh, we're we're with you there. But it's it's also you mentioned not a a, a real long limb that you're out there on. We're similar in our projections on uh, where we think the wrong team is favored. We've got only three this week and they're all under two points. We've got Iowa state, as we mentioned, plus one and a half Stanford, we think should be favored against Cal. That's one and a half officially for us. Uh, And then Louisville uh, we have as, as barely less than a one point favorite over Boston college, who is a one point favorite. So those are of course not, uh, you know, uh, that's not even a, a shorter limb than Xavier. So I, I was trying to, I was trying to find one uh, that I that I like, and there we're 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 pretty close on one where we have a, a five a team that comes in as a five and a half point underdog. We have as as uh, only about a half a point underdog. So I feel like that's a, a pretty good place to be, especially because this team. Lost forty-five to nothing last week. I, I think Kansas State uh, beats Baylor this week. I, I think I could certainly uh, come up with with uh, you know some uh, scenarios where where that works. It, it's expected to be a low-scoring game. Uh, K State is is uh, you know looking to get the bad taste out of their mouth of getting shut out last week, getting just completely blown out last week. Baylor has played. Solid defense, but uh, has struggled a lot offensively. Charlie Brewer, uh, I had really high hopes for Charlie Brewer this year, and, and he has not looked good uh, for the most part. So I think K State is is going to you know win an ugly, ugly game uh, against Baylor as a as a five and a half point underdog. Uh, I'm going to take uh, LSU over Texas A and M. I think uh, really, uh, yeah, yeah. Whoa. I mean, I, I don't know how much I believe it. <laughs> But look, LSU has the talent to do this. We've seen uh, Texas A&M play down a little bit this year. Uh, They're uh, riding high after coming out uh, fifth in the standings already. Uh, LSU has got a lot to prove. So uh, I think uh, LSU, uh, you know, gets back in the fold by winning a big time game over a big time opponent. So that's going to be my upset pick of the week. So go, go ahead, Xavier. What are you drinking? I need that. <laughs> uh, have you uh, seen? Oh God. Okay. I mean, hey, I'm I'm drinking the anti A and M Kool Aid. Uh, I went on a, I went on a, on a medium limb. Nick goes out on a short limb, and you just decided to hop off the cliff. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know. Hey, no, you know what? Uh, I got a parachute on. I'll be fine. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, my ho- hopefully my Longhorns can win, but. Uh, but if not, at least uh, hopefully the Aggies will lose. That that's what I'm hoping for. You just don't so, want to win the college football playoff, which they very well might yeah. be in. Yeah. Well, I don't think it matters if they get in; they'll get smoked. So, uh, <laughs> but but I do not want them in. That's very true. So, uh, but uh, Nick, tell us about the all three agree for week thirteen. 
A shorter slate this week, which I'm I'm glad <laughs> they've they've been getting longer and longer and longer. So I think we're still at double digits, but a, a little less, fewer than 21 last week, even though that worked out for us. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're on LSU 14 and a half plus 14 and a half. So I, I hope you're right, Scott. Uh, we see that as closer to a 12 point in our, our official projection. Their talents basically even, and and Texas A&M would be about a touchdown favored uh, stats only model right now. So uh, well within that 14 and a half, we feel pretty good about that. Utah, Utah state plus five and a half. Uh, Utah state's been on the possible exception of ULM, the worst team in college football this year already fired their coach, but uh, why is New Mexico favored in this game? Uh, we, we think that Utah State is a little bit better. Feel okay about that on, uh, what is that, Thursday or Friday? One of the two. Uh, Thursday night, I think. We'll, we'll get to see that one. Uh, UNLV plus 16 and a half. Uh, don't feel as good about that. Wyoming usually doesn't really blow people out. Uh, but UNLV, it sounds like it's going to have dozens of players out. So uh, we, we don't know who they are, so we can't really account for that. But most of our numbers have this as a single-digit game. So normally I would see this as a huge edge, even though UNLV has not been good uh, this year. But because of the COVID situation, I don't have a lot of confidence in it, but we are officially on that. Uh, Stanford plus one and a half, I said. Kentucky plus 23 and a half against Florida. Don't feel great about that based on what Kentucky looked like last week, but hopefully they'll bounce back a little bit. Uh, this week, Akron plus 14 and a half. That was a bit of a shocker against uh, Miami of Ohio, who has had uh, a bit of a layoff, has had a ton of injuries, and Akron has looked better. Still not good, but but they've looked better. Uh, ones that I do feel good about, which is probably – the, the kiss of death because I, I have high anxiety basically in every uh, projection, but these line up pretty well in my estimation. Rutgers plus 12 against Purdue. Louisville plus one. We mentioned there, we think they're, they should be favored. Uh, Duke as a pick em against Georgia Tech. And uh, USC minus 12 against Colorado. I, I think that that one. Uh, I, I like that one. I know USC had a positive test. I know they missed a couple of pr- uh, practices this week. Colorado had its game canceled against Arizona State, not for its own fault, has had a lot of time to prepare for USC. They're 2-0. USC's not look good. That all doesn't matter to me. I think USC should be about uh, a three-touchdown favorite here. So I feel good about that one. So they're probably going to lose or (laughs) win by a a field goal again. So we'll see. And then the last one, I I don't feel good about at all, but Florida State plus nine and a half against Virginia. We have Virginia Virginia as a seven and a half point favorite officially. And then Florida State, the more talented team, Florida State as a five point favorite in the stats only model. All right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, uh, Florida State could use a win. After Debo talking smack and Tamori and Terry, uh, you know, deleting a tweet and leaving and all that stuff. So it's been multiple it's been defensive messy. linemen are out for the year. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a mess. So I don't feel it, good about it. But nine and a half is a lot of points against a team that they quote unquote uh, less talented. That That is, I mean, Florida State, regardless of the record, they always have talent. Uh, so you're absolutely right about that. But that is going to wrap it up for us this week. We hope you all have a great uh, Thanksgiving weekend here and enjoy it. Try to relax. 
uh, you know, stay safe in your travels and all that stuff as well. So uh, we will be back with you uh, next week to talk about the results of all of this stuff and uh, see if I was right about my uh, LSU call. So probably not, but we'll see. I'm going out on a limb. Uh, going way, way further out than Xavier. I'll say that. But uh, I also agree with uh, Penn State. So let's go. Uh, but follow <laughs> us all on Twitter at Bogman Sports, at CFB Winning Edge, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. You can support this podcast on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge and pledge as little as $5 per month to support the show and receive access to written content each week, including our matchup graphics, talent edge projections, and winners, all published before the podcast each week.